Uh, well, first up, let's talk about COVID. That's kind of in the news again now that the Delta variant is surging. My uh, native state of Missouri is kind of the epicenter of this, and that's kind of uh, sad, like the Ozark region. Uh, with COVID in general, we're, we're basically getting to the point now where these rural communities that were kind of safe from COVID are slowly now getting uh, cases filtering in and a lot of... Uh, a lot of viral tendencies from people who uh, typically have not been wearing masks and not quarantining and not kind of social distancing and changing their social lives in any way to uh, accommodate this, uh, you know, more deadly than average pandemic affecting us right now. I hear um, a funny anecdote. So I remember um, in military training, we had a drill instructor, a female Marine who used to hate on women recruits. And she would, anytime a woman recruit would do anything bad, she'd run up to them, get in their face and yell, you're putting the Marine Corps a thousand years back. You're putting women a thousand years back. And I feel like that's what the state of Missouri, you know, kind of is for the rest of the country. All these red states that aren't vaccinating people, they're literally trying to bring America a thousand years in the past. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I mean, quite literally, right? Because a thousand years ago, you know, uh, pandemics were, uh, you know, common. Lots of people died and they didn't do anything about it to help themselves. Back then, they didn't know any better. And now it's just out of sheer stupidity and yeah. political polarization. Now we do know better, but it's just pure ideological bullshit that <laughs> makes people yeah. not want to take care of themselves or their community or loved ones to stick it to Democrats and Biden for trying to tell them how to be <laughs> safe and healthy. <laughs> Yeah, um, going back to the dark ages to uh, own the libs. That's uh, yeah. quite the... Uh... <laughs> I'm, I'm so owned right now. Yeah. It is sad. Yeah, I did a... Uh, check out my uh, Substack newsletter. It's called the Halfway Cafe. I, you know, a lot of people that follow the Halfway Post have subscribed. Um, and I did, I did a good one about... Uh, basically, that it's kind of like Republicans are screwing themselves over at a certain point now that it's almost like... Not entirely, but predominantly Republicans and Republican voters who are refusing to vaccinate. Uh, it's kind of like a Republican cell phone now because they've been uh, lying about the pandemic and saying it's not a big deal and turning it into like a political, ideological, like marker of cultural belonging <laughs> to the conservative uh, wing of you know American politics. And so uh, Thankfully, now something recently just kind of flipped on a dime and all of a sudden like Fox News and Mitch McConnell and Steve Scalise and all these Republicans are coming out with statements. I think they're kind of uh, maybe some polling, some fresh polling came out saying that, you know, Republicans are being blamed for this. And it's almost only Republicans who don't take the pandemic seriously and are now dying. Uh, so I guess, it, you know, better it's a better late than never kind of thing. But certainly we wish people like Mitch McConnell and Steve Scalise and Sean Hannity, you know, like. Uh, I don't know, March of 2020 last year had had this kind of, uh, you know, attention and focus on how, you know, the, you know, COVID is a, uh, a serious affair. Well, one question I have, and let me know what you think about this, is it's so strange. I think it's all because that, that's what, this is what I'm wondering. It, it, is all this COVID, you know, anti-vaccination, uh, anti-COVID bullshit from the right? Is it just simply because Trump in January of 2020 thought that if COVID came to America, it would make him look bad. Because when I look back and I think like, I don't think the public, certainly the Democratic Party would have necessarily blamed Trump just because COVID came here. Because, you know, there was all that talk about shutting the country down. But with a country like America, 
I mean, it's hard to imagine COVID not coming with the amount of plane travel, you know, travel between Canada and Mexico into America, all that stuff. I just don't see any way COVID wouldn't have come here. So if Trump had just been proactive rather than trying to hide the first case or saying it would never come here, uh, if, you know, a year and a half later, things might have been totally different if, you know, that initial starting point was Trump trying to say, oh, if any COVID comes here, it's going to make me look bad, so we have to hide it. And then, you know, then it became polarized. I don't know. I, I totally believe that. I yeah. mean, like in the very beginning, everyone was like begging Trump, please say something. Um, please do something. Everyone was saying it's obviously not Trump's fault for, um, you know, having it come here and not doing anything. Uh, but I think like Democrats were desperate to like for Trump to do something good. And, I, you know, I don't think I think Democrats would have acknowledged had he actually done something. Uh, they would have acknowledged that he didn't do a total fuck up. Like, obviously, warp speed, Democrats, you know, I wouldn't even say grudgingly, you know, like all along, Democrats have been pretty open saying, yes, warp speed was a good thing. Not that not that Trump got under the granular level of picking out which vaccines to support and where the money should go and what, like, you know, all the all the scientific data about it. Um, certainly, I don't think Trump knew anything or cared at all. He was just told, you know, he was handed a stack of papers told to sign this. You know, I'm sure at the time he yeah. probably thought it was a bad idea. It would make him look weak. Like here he is trying to say, you know, it's it's uh, not happening and there's nothing to worry about and we can't have anything bad happen to the beloved stock market. Um, but it, I mean, but then on the other hand, it's like, you know, he did fuck up literally everything. I think Democrats would have been well, really happy for him to not have fucked up like one yeah. aspect other than just signing the warp speed papers. You know, if he hadn't fucked up, you know, one other thing, at least. Well, that's like the interesting thing, because when you hear talk about how he didn't want the stock market to go down, Trump had already multiple times in 2018 and 2019 basically said something or tweeted something that made the yeah. stock market tank like 700 points so That's a good point. i don't know why he was so afraid of that all the time um like for example when the tariffs came out that wasn't good for the stock market and he didn't uh go back on that whatsoever so that's kind of weird that's a really good point <laughs> Um, there's a there's a <laughs> fake news quote from French President Macron that was going viral this week. Unfortunately, uh, it turned out to be fake. Somebody uh, on Facebook, I guess, just made up the quote. And so a lot of people, a lot of like well-meaning journalists, you know, it fooled a lot of people, I guess. Uh, granted, you know, American journalists don't really speak French. So, <laughs> you know, I guess it's not the uh, worst thing to not have fact-checked. But I'm going to repeat the quote now. Just know Macron didn't actually say this, but I think it's actually a good quote. But the quote goes, uh, it, was, it was following uh, Macron's uh, acknowledgement that they were going to require proof of the vaccine to start doing things in public, like going to cafes and movie theaters and things like that. And he goes, I no longer have any intention of sacrificing my life, my time, my freedom, and the adolescence of my daughters, as well as the right to study properly for those who refuse to be vaccinated. This time you stay at home, not us. And I think it went really viral because, you know, that's a, such a good sentiment. Like all the people who took this responsibly acted like mature adults, you know, correctly and just uh you know normally and uh intelligently validating the fact that this virus is really deadly and we have a communal response to not screw over all of our neighbors and loved ones by like staying home distancing and not spreading the disease 
Um, so, like, I think it really resonated with a lot of people. Interestingly, it turns out Macron doesn't actually have daughters or something like that. Or he's got some kids. He's got, like, stepkids who are, like, grown now. So they're not, like, little girls in first grade or anything by any means. It was just kind of a funny case that it went viral, but it is fake news. But it is such a good quote. Because, I mean, now now it makes you think, you know, should America do that? Like, France, when they, uh, when they announced the new guidelines that you can't do stuff in public without proof of the vaccine, they got something like 2.2 million signed ups for the vaccine in like two days like 48 hours so i mean just imagine if biden came out and you know like if our government came out and said that i mean like would you get like 15 million signups in a week or something like that like wouldn't that be really good for america to do especially because you know at a certain point you have to acknowledge all the people who socially distanced and wore masks and quarantined despite being made fun of for a whole year and a half like they're still being made fun of now you know we did the responsible thing to make the you know covid go down dramatically finally you know like i, th I think on july 3rd there were zero covid deaths in america which i mean that's spectacular uh, it was kind of in like the low, you know, maybe uh, double digits, maybe, you know, very, very low. And now it's like s skyrocketing again, be mostly because of the Delta variant, which is like, uh, from what I understand, it's double as contagious and your body makes just a lot more of the, uh, the viral loads for you to exhale and spit out when you're talking from the uh, mm -hmm. previous variants. Uh, but what do you think about that? What, what would you say if America said, no, from now on, you have to be vaccinated or wear a mask or you're not going anywhere in public? Or going into private businesses well um i think it'd be harder to do here just because there'd be a huge public back backlash do i think like that's probably the best thing for everybody ironically well that's not even ironic right it's just objectively the best thing for everybody if they were to do that if they were to tell people oh, if you're not vaccinated you can't get on a flight which to some degree is already kind of the case when you know i just traveled overseas and like you had to show a negative COVID test within 72 hours 48 hours etc of going on the plane so that's kind of like you know private companies are already doing that like delta and united uh certainly when you when i went over to europe and uh entered the schengen zone you had to have a 48 hour COVID test to even enter like i i entered germany so i mean they're doing that over here they're doing it over there in uh some places so i think it'd be a good idea to expand that more i think the right wing would have a conniption fit but you know that's one of those things is the right wing spent four years saying fuck your feelings fuck your feelings <laughs> yeah, Facts right. don't care about your feelings and like I mean, <clears throat> would it uh, be nice to have them taste their own medicine a little bit? Yeah, I guess. apply that but to like, COVID. Like facts yeah, don't problem, care about your feelings. Like COVID yeah, will kill you and it's not system, safe. And you're ruining like everyone's life. <laughs> well, the problem in our political system is that like everything, even remotely against any conservative anywhere, is somehow anti-freedom, anti-democracy. It's like the end of the world. Democrats are trying to take over. So. Uh, you know, conservatives don't see things the way typical, rational people kind of see sometimes, right? That's um, so true. So if, yeah. if that happened in America, they would feel like they are being, you know, oppressed. And they'd probably start putting Star of Davids on their fucking hats and their <laughs> yeah, Trump hats. And right. Their, you know what I mean? It's like, and, and <laughs> it's so sad because it shows the, like, it's, I mean, you just shouldn't compare things to the Holocaust because, you know, I don't think anything in American life today, especially what conservatives feel, is comparable to the Holocaust. So the fact that you have actual Republicans selling shirts with gold stars is just <laughs> yeah. it's just ridiculous. Like, Well, it's so dumb because the things that we do for COVID in America 
is like the most basic medically obvious recommendations on how to not kill the people around you and give them a super um you know preventable uh you know disease and virus like it's so frustrating that just wearing like okay you can go out but just wear a mask and maybe don't go out as much and maybe don't be indoors with a bunch of people like that it's such a small ask for such you know it's like uh, 500,000 people, like half a million people have died from COVID. And the most you have to do is when you still want to go out and do whatever you're going to do, just wear a mask. So when you're coughing and yelling, you're not like spraying viral loads all over people's faces all around you. It's like yeah. such a, it's, it's such a childish idea of freedom, especially because, I mean, if you think about it in any sort of philosophical, uh, like focus, Freedom has responsibilities, right? Freedom is just not this, like, childish idea of go do whatever you want and fuck what everyone else says and who cares how it affects anyone else because it's all about you, the individual. That's such a childish, juvenile, toddler way of looking at things, right? Well, uh, what they really are are just, ty- like, modern-day tw- uh, typhoid Marys. So typhoid Mary, right. you know, the, the lady who was a carrier for typhoid fever didn't know it and was just passing it on. She was, like, a cook or something. She was just passing it to different families, and a lot of people got sick, and some of them died. I mean, that's literally what they're doing today is they're literally carrying and spreading COVID. Uh, and some of them are even getting sick themselves and just going right back in public. Um, so, I mean, really that's like the weird thing personal responsibility right like um it's at what point does person personal responsibility include more than just doing what you personally want like you know republicans constantly use personal responsibility to criticize people on welfare criticize people getting any help from you know the social welfare net which they intrinsically hate just ideologically but like you know this many years after the invention or discovery of germ theory like how is that not included in personal responsibility especially if you're going to live in like a community right um, plus it's the whole dumb libertarian yeah go for go it ahead. oh i was just going to say that it's like so dumb because typically the conservative idea of like personal responsibility is that the government doesn't get involved because people are just mature and responsible and do the right things on their well, it own. it assumes a lot, doesn't it? Yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah. <they're laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah. So wow. anyway, uh, you know, Mitch McConnell now is coming out and saying it that like, you know, he was, he had a pretty strong statement uh, and, it, you know, about getting, uh, you know, taking COVID seriously and getting vaccinated. Kind of interesting that, like, McConnell survived polio. So, I mean, like, vaccines saved his life, you know. Um, well, the thing about Mitch McConnell is he's a year and a half too late. Where the fuck was right. he when Mike Pence was standing up the uh, uh, task force, the COVID task force or whatever? Yeah. And, and there's, you know, like, a uh, there's no end of clips right now that you could pull up of Trump saying that it'll be gone. Like, magic. It's a hoax. Mike Pence getting up and saying it's been contained. <laughs> you know, it's like back in like yeah. April of last year. Like so dumb. Uh, Which yeah. is so funny because it shows like the stupidity of how people on the right approach this whole thing. Because when they we started the quarantine and the stay-at-home orders, literally COVID went down, which is exactly what you expected. So then they use that to say, oh, look, COVID wasn't even a threat. It's not even getting bigger anymore, despite the fact everybody was staying at home. So then they use that as an excuse. Well, COVID's going down. We can all be free again. And then what happened? Just like all the experts predicted, there was a second bigger spike immediately after. And it's like that's the level of lack of public welfare 
welfare and well-being that the Republican Party just doesn't care about and allowed to just... I mean, think of it. How many people died because Republicans didn't take this seriously at all? 500,000 people? 400,000 people? 250,000 people? Uh, that's a lot of Americans, you know? That's... Uh, yeah. More right. people died from COVID than World War II, which is kind of crazy because in World War II, we sent millions of people to Europe who uh, and, you know, went against, you know, Nazis who had guns and were shooting at them. So that's pretty fucked up. Yeah. And I can't help but think, you know, if Hillary Clinton had been president, you know, like how few deaths there would be. Like, let's say well, I don't that's know. like the joke, right? If Hillary Clinton had been president, like 600 people would have died of COVID. It would have been the biggest disaster in American history from the Ameri- uh, from the Republican perspective. <laughs> yeah, yeah, so frustrating. <laughs> That's like you can't prove a negative. Um, so if the roles were reversed and Hillary Clinton had won, you know, Republicans would say, oh, this is, you know, this is a catastrophic disaster. You know, 600, 1,000, you know, 4,000 people die. The Democratic Party is ruining America. Meanwhile, six, I mean, the worst period of COVID, right, over the summer, we had a... A Pearl Harbor's worth of deaths every single day or a 9-11's worth of deaths every day for like two weeks or something, right? And right. the Republican Party was just, well, uh, oh, well. Yeah, um, now, which is- I, now, now there's people like Ted Cruz basically saying <clears throat> that this recent COVID uptick is because of the border situation and we're letting illegal immigrants come in and that's what's making these red states, you know, in, in the South, that's what's making their uh, their COVID rates uh, skyrocket. Like, that is the most yeah, cynical, the bad faith, terrible <laughs> argument that just has no basis yeah. in reality. Well, I mean, I didn't... I didn't know that so many immigrants cross the southern border and go directly to the Ozarks in Missouri. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they go right to Branson to party. <laughs> yeah, that's crazy. Yeah. Um, well, yeah. I well, guess I guess that's good on COVID. You got any other COVID thoughts before we go to the next section? No, no. Um, okay. Here, here's something I got for you. So um, this is something that both parties have been kind of caught doing. But the what do you think about this? The idea that politicians in Congress make shit tons of money from capital gains and trading stocks in the middle of the pandemic or just in general like during the year right what do you think about that well i think uh there should be a law that like members of congress shouldn't have stocks i don't like why are you making policy on these like all these like uh you know trade agreements and uh you know all of these economic policies and stimulus and bailouts when you're like literally investing in the companies that we <laughs> when are you have a robin hood account open in your pocket yeah and like, like you're on the floor yeah probably. you're su- you're suddenly against the regulations in the industries which you suspiciously just bought a ton of stocks like that's uh that well, like when you look allowed. at like when you look at how, uh, like, if you ever pull out C-SPAN and you see that, like, most people in the uh, Senate and House floor are literally just looking at their phones all day while other people are talking, if there's even more than 10 people in the room. Um, like, and then you hear that, like, Matt Gates, <laughs> you know, the, the uh, um, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Alleged. The, uh, alleged yeah. sex offender. <laughs> yeah, the <laughs> alleged sex offender, but the, uh, yeah, uh, terribly embarrassed uh <laughs> junior representative from florida <laughs> yeah. but you know he was showing people pictures of naked women on his phone allegedly on the house floor so it wouldn't surprise me if people are just day trading on the floor while their you know colleagues are talking to the american people but anyway uh so some ideas i had on this is like you know the fact that like what happened to blind trust the fact that politicians used to put all of their money and in investments in blind trust that they had no control over so that they could just mitigate any you know the smallest idea that they might somehow profit off their time in office. Um, so, uh, you know, I took, uh, uh, I learned a little bit about um, 
like the nonprofit world, and they have all kinds of strict rules on what kinds of income, taxable income, capital gains, et cetera, that they can earn. And if you're a nonprofit organization, uh, and if you get uh, too much money that's uh, you know unbecoming or it's like you know profit unrelated to your business and you don't report it and you don't pay taxes on it, you can actually get fined more than a hundred percent of what you made. Uh, so some of the laws, and it's you know varies by state by state, and with the IRS, it's you can get fined over a hundred and fifty percent for uh, basically taking in income and, and gaining money for your nonprofit that's illegal. So I, I was like thinking, why can't we do that for representatives? Like, why can't we just triple their pay so that like they don't have to worry about money? But then if they make any money, you know, in the stock market, why aren't they taxed like a hundred percent? Or why aren't they fined for day trading or you know swing trading based on news? Like, I don't understand why there should be any expectation whatsoever that if you're a member of Congress, you should be making money outside of your salary, right? If you're really a public servant, you should just be taking the public money for the service you're providing and like probably not day trading on the secret classified informational <laughs> meetings you get all the time. Right. <laughs> yeah. And it's like if we do that for nonprofit organizations, so like, you know, for example, if a museum is selling... Um, <clears throat> selling stuff in a gift shop that's not directly related to their mission, right? So, like, for example, if you're, like, a, a planetarium, nonprofit organization, and you're selling, like, I'm just going to make something up, like, uh, Pokemon cards or something, like, technically, you have to pay taxes on that. And technically, if you're caught selling and making money on that and not paying due taxes on it, um, you can get fined more than 150%. So if we have all these strict limitations on just a nonprofit organization that might employ like 10 people and, you know, maybe has an income of like $100,000 a year or something, like why wouldn't we do that to like Nancy Pelosi, who's apparently swing trading, making hundreds of thousands of dollars, uh, you know, week to week or month to month based off news she gets from her classified meetings? Yeah, I mean, I agree with all that. That's pretty stupid. I don't think uh, we should triple <laughs> members of Congress's pay because they already make a ton of money. But well, uh, well, actually, no. In the House, they only make like 120 or something like that, um, which isn't a lot of money with how much travel they typically have to do. Like, I'm all for paying them, like I don't know, 300,000, 400,000. Like, uh, but then the fact that like they can't earn any other money outside of that, right? Because you know, if you're doing a public service, I think, I mean. Here, th this is all part of a bigger kind of thing I've been thinking about lately is just like how much corruption there is in the world right now. Like in every government across the world, you hear all these stories like Africa, Asia, like China, Amer like Tr uh, the Trump administration, right? There's so much ridiculous greed and corruption that like, you know, when you think of like the last 50 years, were we just like in a tiny little blip in human history where, you know, at least like the rule of law pretended like it was a thing? Um, is that just like human nature to just steal and, and try to get as much money and enrich yourself in every way possible and get power just for making more money and getting more power? Like, I think the whole concept almost globally of just public, you know, service and benefiting your, you know, your, your neighbors and your, your, um, your, you know, your nation in any way is just like going by the wayside. And I think here in America, Trump and his people definitely tried to kill that as much as they could. What do you think? Yeah, I mean, Trump definitely was like the swamp monster, you know, ringleader. Uh, I think he kind of hired a bunch of people with the sole intention of screwing over the government and making a lot of money. Uh, so yeah, and I think the funny thing is I heard, I heard I was hearing someone talk about this and they were basically 
uh, saying that like when Republicans think Trump drained the swamp, like Trump didn't drain the swamp in the way they think that he did. Like they're under the impression that Trump came in and just kicked out all the lobbyists and nobody was profiting off the government. Like, you know, people, you know, wrongly think like Hillary Clinton was somehow or like other politicians like, you know, so they were probably right in thinking that the Republican and Democrat establishments were corrupt and taking money from the system, you know, with lobbying jobs, you know, people's companies getting sweetheart deals from the government like that happens all the time. But what Republicans don't realize is that Trump came in and while he kicked out some of the Republican like establishment types, that just means that like people like uh, Brad Parscale and Corey Lewandowski were siphoning money off the government instead of those old previous establishment types. So when they say, oh, Trump drained the swamp, he didn't he just he just switched around who was getting the money in a lot of ways. And like when you look at Jared Kushner and Ivanka Trump, like, you know, they're under investigation right now for, you know, misusing the um, inauguration funds and stuff. And like, I mean, you think of the Republican Party as a whole, too, with the, you know, Brad Parscale yeah. was getting like forty five thousand dollars a month or something from the Trump campaign. So like talk about corruption. Like if you're donating money to the RNC or the Trump reelection campaign in 2020, like Brad Parscale was just taking all of your money. Uh, and then other people involved <laughs> yeah. in the campaign as well. Yes. But I think, like, to me, I think that's one of the biggest issues right now that's just making government sh be shitty everywhere is just rampant corruption. And I feel like uh, corruption and, like, uh, um, like, greedy people are just making every government across the world worse and make the people kind of hate the government more and more. Which, ironically, I mean, this is, like, the worst time for that because... Something like a global pandemic calls for more government action and more, you know, uh, people who actually are there to help the public and benefit their people. Yeah, for sure. I do think I always think it's funny when like communist countries, you know, like you see how like rich like the Soviet, you know, uh, leaders would be and like China. And then you get people like, you know, President Xi and, you know, all these top officials in like, I guess you could say nominally communist countries that just get super rich, which like in communism, isn't that completely not the point? <laughs> isn't yeah. that completely opposite the ethos and idealism and like, you know, the point of being communist in the first place? <laughs> so I, I just always think that's kind of funny when people get like filthy rich in communist positions of power. Kind of ironic. Yeah. Well, so I talked a lot about the uh, Trump administration and I hope the uh, Biden administration does more to uh, try to cut down. I mean, that used to be something that the State Department was all about, was having diplomats and foreign service agents in other countries telling the governments there, hey, like, you're not going to get support from America uh, unless you stop some of the corruption and, and you know, you, you know, you can't hire all of your family members to these top government posts. And, and, and then Trump came in and obviously did all of that himself. And then, you know, famously, I mean, he, he went around looking for people in Ukraine to be corrupt to get dirt on Joe Biden. So, yeah. I, mean, it, it, I mean, it's sad. I feel like the whole world's just becoming more corrupt. And it's like, uh, you know, maybe that's just human nature. But it's like I at the same time, I hope that like the, you know, the idea that America and Americans, uh, America's leaders can be anti-corrupt and fight corruption around the world is something that, you know, if America is going to have any kind of staying power globally, especially being, you know, let's say, quote unquote, on the right side of history on a lot of issues like, you know, you can't just have a corrupt government and corrupt people doing shitty stuff and stealing money. And like, you know, I, I don't think anyone who's in Congress for like 10 years should end up being worth $50 million. Like, I don't think that's a thing that should, like, if you're going to make money, you shouldn't be in Congress, period. Right. So I think if you took away some of that profit motive of being in Congress, like, I mean, you know, and this goes on both sides, people like, uh, you know, 
what was it like uh, in the middle of uh, uh, the quarantine and stuff at the stay home orders? Like you had all those Congress members making like, uh, uh, you know, they were caught doing stock trades and making tons of money, like investing in Zoom and other uh, companies that were going to be- uh, benefit and gain from, you know, COVID and the quarantine. Yeah, I guess it's a problem that like most of the people who run for Congress and actually get elected are already rich, in which case I guess yeah. then it's easier for them to just, you know, make their stock decisions a little bit more sharp with uh, you know government knowledge and things like yeah. that. And certainly connections always help. I mean, you get all these lobbyists and all these people from big corporations wanting, you know, certain policies and giving donations and going to fundraisers and stuff. Uh, so I'm sure there's quite a bit of uh, just barely under the surface, you know, insider trading going on, you know, with members of Congress who, again, are for the most part already rich. And the poor people who are broke and don't have money to self-fund and take off an entire year or two, you know, of whatever jobs they were doing. You know, most people can't really afford to actually run for anything. Um, yeah. And I think that's part of the problem. I think uh, it would be a good thing if uh, regular people could actually run and have a uh you know snowball's chance in hell of uh <laughs> actually getting a nomination or getting their name out there and like you know at least um being able to debate you know powerful rich incumbents right um let's... Uh, well anyway moving on so i saw something that, that caught my eye this morning so lindsey graham apparently uh said in an interview that he'd be opening to raise the debt ceiling if cuts were made to social security and medicare so we have a yeah. That's a new big thing. They're going to have ridiculous. a big. Republicans yeah. want a big fight over the debt ceiling. Yeah. So once again, you know, after they had no problem raising it for Trump repeatedly, um, and now they're back to the Obama era, trying to nuke the government to uh, get what they want ideologically. Which again, once again, this is always ironic because Congress approves budgets, and since they can't make a budget, they do a continuing resolution. And because they keep doing continuing resolution, the debt goes up because they're spending the same amount of money basically year to year, or even more, like as we saw with COVID. So this is all money that Congress is allocating, and then they're going to blame Biden for the debt being too high, despite the fact that the House of Representatives and Congress, and not Biden, have the power of the purse and have the power to spend money. So already to begin with the whole debt ceiling which you know as a law is kind of stupid anyway because we put a debt ceiling on the amount of money we've already said we're going to spend and then we hit the debt ceiling or sorry debt ceiling and then rather than just get rid of it they just move it up from time to time try to make a political battle of it so the whole issue is so stupid plus the the really thing the the big thing i really hate about this whole issue is like the fact that they're calling for cuts for social security and medicare which is, uh, you know, I thought by now Republicans would have given up on that. But, you know, so you <laughs> oh, have no, these never 90, give up on that. Yeah. You have these 75 year old policies that most Americans love, you know, repeatedly, you know, Reagan, Bush, like they tried to make cuts to Social Security and it's always been, you know, attacked by, you know, interest groups for old people. You know, it, it doesn't <laughs> it's not good politics to cut Social Security, especially uh, among the older people who vote Republicans more <laughs> more often than Democrats. So, I mean, the whole issue is so stupid. But anyway, all of this is basically an example of the Republican Party, in my mind, is stuck in 1935, and they're still trying to battle Franklin Roosevelt. Uh, And so I think, in my eyes, there's like a huge dichotomy. You have the Democratic Party that's living in 2021. They're trying to fight fascism again. They're trying to stop global warming, which is already, you know, leading to heat waves. Like, 
hundreds of people have died in the last couple of years from uh, heat wave related incidents. Uh, you had um, forest fires in Canada, which is pretty high north. So it's so dry uh, and, and there's so much drought there that they're you know, creating forest fires. And anyway, so you have all these issues that Democrats are trying to push and, and, and fight for the future and, and actually solve real problems here in 2021. And Republicans are still hell-bent on ending policies enacted by Democrats 80 years ago. What do you think? Uh, yeah, I mean, I totally agree with you there. It's so freaking dumb. Like, and again, it's so dumb because, like, all you need to do to cut <laughs> the debt is just have taxes go back to a normal level, right? Every time a Republican Congress comes in or a Republican president, they cut taxes, right? And so what you're doing is you're just saying, like, all right, here's the baseline level of money the government's going to take in. Oh, nope, we're going to cut it so the government takes less money. And then the next time we're going to cut it so the government takes even less money. So, I mean, essentially, if you assume that, like, uh, or, like, just, you know, at a base level, it's like this is the tax rate, and then you keep cutting it. You're essentially, instead of spending money on infrastructure, you're spending the money that the government takes in and just giving it back to rich people, right? And they always do bullshit mm -hmm. things, like they make the uh, the tax cuts for the rich permanent, but the tax cuts for the middle class only last like five years, which is famously what Trump's uh, recent uh, tax cut did. So, I mean, it's so frustrating that over and over we have to have these dumb battles, especially with the debt ceiling. When, again, like the problem, if you're actually fiscally conservative, is to raise taxes. And that's what Republicans acknowledged that we had to do uh, going back to like Eisenhower. Eisenhower realized that the New Deal was popular and good and that you couldn't just cut taxes with debt. You know, and that continued on even like through uh, Nixon cut it a little bit, but you still had that idea only until about like 1980 did the uh, Republican kind of uh, conservative movement behind Ronald Reagan decide, eh, just fuck it, we'll cut the taxes and just make Democrats have to deal with all of the fiscal problems that come from it. So it's so frustrating. Well, that's the that idea we... is they cut taxes and they hurt the tax base of the federal revenue. And the idea is that if they destroy the revenue and they create so much debt, Democrats will be the one who are forced to basically cut their own programs. Right. So what they're basically doing is saying, we are going to try to cut taxes so people will vote for us. Then we'll ruin the programs that most Americans like and have been around for decades. And then we're going to ruin the revenue so bad, we're going to try to, for rather than solve any problems ourselves, we're going to try to force Democrats to basically end the programs that they pass, that the people like and benefits Americans, and have them cut it so that they don't get in trouble for cutting the programs that everyone likes and people, you know, it's part of the social welfare net um, and actually helps millions of people every year. But Republicans want to basically ruin it and force the Democrats to cut it if they can. Because every time the Republicans have tried to cut it themselves, they don't have the votes, right? Even if they were to do it right now, you think Mitt Romney and Susan Collins are going to vote to eliminate Medicare or Social Security? It's not happening, right? So that's why, I mean, the whole idea and premise of what they're trying to do is stupid. Do you know if with the... Uh uh, reconciliation process they can just say no more debt ceilings and include that bit no i think it's a separate law they probably have to repeal the debt ceiling thing i don't i don't actually know what exactly it is but i know every time they raise the debt ceiling they're literally just raising it so presumably they could you know congress could obviously just cut the debt ceiling themselves yeah but, but you would need, happen because you need 60 votes so you, republicans yeah. would fill up well no you need 60 votes just to do closure right yeah. because you need a unanimous consent to basically say okay we will actually 
start talking about an issue. Uh, and then you need 60 votes to yeah. overcome a filibuster. So the the Senate has all kinds of dumb rules, and it basically keeps them from... Do, like, I didn't know this. Apparently, technically, um, any member of the Senate can basically just cut anything. Like, even they won't even... Al- they can allow them to not go home at the end of the day, because at the end of every day, every working day, they need unanimous consent, basically, to agree on what the plan of action for the next right. day is or what's going to be on the agenda. So, I mean, that's kind of crazy. So, the, <laughs> I mean, when you really hear about the Senate, it's like the dumbest institution yeah. you can what, possibly come up with. That's what someone I was listening to was saying, that it's stupid that we have... Uh, we're basically saying, you know, in terms of the uh, the filibuster and things like what we're describing now, it's like the Senate has the rules, like makes everything dependent on the rules to serve the rules, when really the rules should be serving the Senate, right? If we do these dumb things yeah. that are always so frustrating and ruining our ability to make any kind of meaningful change or pass laws or do anything... Like, it's so dumb because at that point, uh, all of America is serving these arcane Senate rules and the Senate rules are not serving us, the people, or even, you know, the legislators who are trying to use the rules to get anything done. It's so frustrating. Yeah. Um, Yeah. Couldn't agree more. Yeah. Um, So so let's go on to this next part about um, there's this uh, there's this kind of bullshit about, you know, like who loves America like, do we hate America? Do we love America? Do Democrats hate America? And uh, I think Democrats should really flip the switch because it's always, Republicans are always saying Democrats hate America. We're apologizing for America. And it's so frustrating. Um, and, and, and these bipartisan infrastructure talks are like the perfect example, right? Because Biden really wants to have bipartisan uh, talks and a bipartisan plan on infrastructure. And so we're doing that. And so Democrats have you know, gone from $2 trillion down to like five hundred, six hundred thousand dollars worth of infrastructure. Democrats are making all of these uh, compromises from their big ambitious plan. And you know, again, remember that Democrats just got elected. Democrats got the Congress. Like the mandate is for Democrats to do what they want. But it's a it's annoying because now Republicans are essentially just killing time and running out the clock, right? Like Chuck Schumer just uh, I think yesterday. Uh, he did that. He uh, he did kind of like the preliminary closure vote, and it failed. None of the dem- none of the Republicans voted for it, and it doesn't mean the deal is dead by any means. But it, it was kind of Chuck Schumer's way of like saying, "All right, let's hurry this up. I'm giving you a deadline. We can't just waste the entire year doing this bipartisan plan." And again, like usual, there's no expectation Democrats should have that we'll get any Republican votes anyway. So, I mean, it's kind of nice that finally we're at least doing the backup deal where we have a $3.5 trillion Democrat plan going on a separate track, you know. Well, that's my understanding, right? Yeah. Is that they're trying to do a bipartisan uh, agreement and they'll get anything they can out of Republicans to pass it. And then they're just going to do whatever else they want with the reconciliation bill before the end of the year, right? Right. But, it, I mean, it, it really just goes to show, like, what the fuck do Republicans even want? Do they even like America? Everyone acknowledges our roads and bridges are crumbling. Like, you know, you look at our airports compared to airports in the Middle East and China, and, you're like, China is communist, and just they'll have, like, you know, a thousand workers build a hospital in, like, a day or something, you know? Like, insane. Like, how are we supposed to compete with China long term if here we can't even agree to build new rid- 
crooked uh, roads and bridges so that like drivers aren't murdered by bridges collapsing on them you know when they drive to work like it's so frustrating and it's so dumb because you know presumably there's republicans in congress that think they can be president and want to be president right people like tom cotton ted cruz josh Hawley, all of these future presidential wannabes right like why would it I, it's so dumb because like the strategy for Republicans should be to let Democrats spend a lot of money, run up the debt, do all this, all these things that people like while taking all of this shit and abuse for how, how much is being spent and the debt and all this stuff. But like, why would the Republican president want to be presidents and not want to have Democrats build all this stuff and then just take credit for it after the Democrat leaves? And then the Republican gets all the benefits of like the stock success, the economic mobility of the middle class, all these things. Like, why would Republicans not want to just have Democrats take all the shit to do all the hard work and take all the abuse for the, you know, inevitably unpopular or complicated choices and decisions and compromises they have to make and then just take credit for it? Because, like, China is not slowing down. China's building, like, entire cities that they don't need just to keep their economy going, right? So it's like, what the point? what is the point of even being a country long term if, like, the Republican Party is against spending any amount of money for any improvement, saying anything that we do is communist or socialist and it's taking away from our freedom or whatever? Like, it's well, so frustrating. Thing, yeah. Because, I mean, well, like, I mean, Bill Maher had that, like, famous video. Bill Maher had a funny clip talking about how, like, Chinese airports look so so new and they're so expensive and so big and futuristic and then it compares it to like new york's airport you know like the the welcome sign being like an 8-bit video game screen saying welcome you know like next yeah. to all this like terrible construction and like awful stuff that's taking forever and is so costly and like just you know there's literally no comparison with like the new infrastructure being built in other countries looking toward the future more than we are yeah i mean Infrastructure is one of the three things that, you know, every economist will say is probably likely to, con, you know, considerably uh, uh, increase economic growth, right? Yeah, because like infrastructure, R&D. Right. Education. Every dollar you spend on infrastructure is probably leading to like 10 or more dollars in future economic growth. And, you know, you know, like the amount of money that we spend on roads, like that facilitates the entire economy. Like when you build highways, that gets trucks, you know, distributing goods to market all around the country, making who knows how many jobs, yep. who, who knows how much sales tax, who knows how much more sales tax and more taxes from income based on all the peripheral jobs that go involved into making the roads, keeping the roads going, letting all these companies sell goods on the roads. You know, it's it's obviously it's the same thing like al franken had a good line about this in his book talking about you know republicans would never be for like you know they're against spending money on like pre-k education but like somebody did a study and it's like every dollar we spend on pre-k education makes 16 to 17 dollars because with pre-k education you get like you know lower socioeconomic income kids on a faster earlier track to kind of like academic success so like every dollar you spend on pre-k means less kids you know they, they literally extrapolated this out and there's like a you know a certain percentage of kids now not getting uh pregnant in their teenage years there's a certain amount of kids now not uh, dropping out of school because they're too far behind and they uh, you know can't catch up and they drop out and then that involves like less crime less people going to prison like young kids going to juvie and stuff and it's like literally like $17 that we either save or gain from every dollar that we spend 
uh, on pre-K. And like certainly infrastructure is one of those things where, I mean, the growth possible from every dollar we spend on infrastructure is just unbelievable. Well, and especially like, uh, and, and that's like one of the things, like when you talk about the uh, postal service and stuff, like you have all these parts of the country that don't have internet, they don't even have access to FedEx or some of the other for-profit, you know, mail services. And like, that's something that infrastructure helps is actually ironically Republican voters in uh, conservative rural areas, right? So infrastructure, education, like, hey, children in cities have pretty decent public schools, right? And they actually have the most by far uh, access to charter schools, something Republicans love, right? The, the pro-free choice for education, like, you know, hating on public schools. So going to these expensive for-profit, you know, charter schools and private schools, etc. Uh, a lot of tiny rural areas like typically won't have those. So um, more education for pre-K and elementary school students in rural areas, access to internet, infrastructure, getting better roads or highways or interstates to these tinier rural areas. Like these are ironically all things that would actually benefit conservative voters uh, in very conservative rural areas. And Republicans continually vote against it. It's kind of weird, isn't it? Yeah, that's kind of true. Cause I mean, certainly in rural areas, that's the least cost effective way to get anything done, whether it's like internet access, you know, health Well, there's no scale there, right? Everything's right. an economy of scale for, you know, a country with 330 million people. So like, there's not a lot of profit motive to help an area um, that, you know, you might only get hundreds of customers, hundreds of potential customers, mind you, not even guaranteed customers, right? So, um, like, that's why FedEx will literally put a package in USPS rather than mail it to some rural area because they won't actually make money doing that. And, you know, the USPS probably makes a lot of money in New York City and Chicago and Baltimore, you know what I mean? Like, they're probably not hurting for cash in big cities where the USPS ironically you know the organization that the republicans hate more than almost anything <laughs> yeah. where they lose most of their money is rural areas where it's actually extremely costly to pick up mail and deliver mail so once again if republicans get their way they would you know i mean it goes back to covid right republicans right now by being against the vaccine and screaming about freedom and all that stuff they're hurting unvaccinated people in red states we have states that have like 30 percent you know vaccination rates which looks suspiciously uh, similar to the blue red divide in in national elections you know um so all of this stuff being against covid being against vaccines etc it's just hurting conservative voters it's ironic that a political party is doing everything imaginable to hurt their own people and their own people scream and and, and love it and call it freedom yeah, that's so true. Because I mean, obviously, just from a like an economic standpoint, it's like big blue cities that have all the transit, all the new companies and fashions, all the artistic galleries and venues, right? Because there's money involved. Uh, like big cities are not struggling and, you know, uh, have tons of people to scale any idea upward. It's like what you were well, saying. Here's a great example of that, right? Like Amazon, they were like, oh, every every city, put in your bids. Let's see if we'll put our third HQ in your city. And they got all these bids from these tiny and medium-sized cities around around the freaking country saying, oh, we'll give you this, we'll give you this. This will help our city so much. And then they picked New York City. Yeah. <laughs> you know what <laughs> right. I mean? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, so let's talk a little bit about like democratic strategies because this is the one thing that just sucks that Democrats are so bad. I mean, they have a little bit more of a soul, I think, in aggregate, like in general, than a lot of Republicans. But it's so sad that Republicans... What Repu do you mean by that? What? <laughs> a soul? A soul, yeah, because, you know, in terms of like Republicans all sticking to like a misleading talking point and just 
like pummeling Democrats. And in terms of like policies that, again, uh, like disproportionately hurt their own rural voters who don't really have access to like, you know, the 21st century, like big cities and, you know, Democratic strongholds do. Um, so um, in terms of like uh, strategy and like overcoming the media divide, right, because Republicans have Fox News, OAN, Newsmax, you know, Ben Shapiro and all of his Facebook stuff, um, like literally Republicans just all as a whole get on one talking point or a few talking points. And just like that's all that you hear about forever, whereas Democrats do not have a media ecosystem like that. Democratic voters <clears throat> and liberal uh you know, Americans are more likely to get more like centrist and moderate uh, like news uh, sources, you know, that don't just have certain talking points that kind of gets like phoned in from on high of like, you know, these are the talking points for today. Um, so like well, that's, a, that's <clears throat> the biggest difference, right, is Democrats yeah. will occasionally criticize their own like Obama got a lot of criticism. Uh, from a lot of even people on MSNBC and even right now people are criticizing Obama retro like uh, retrospectively like talking about you know especially like the war in Afghanistan criticizing Obama for you know why did we stay in for all eight years why did we surge why did we spend right. all that money uh, the difference is uh, Republicans on Fox News and Owen like they exist to serve the Republican administration, if there is one. So they never, ever, ever said, I shouldn't say never, ever, but they almost rarely, almost never, basically said anything negative against Trump. And you do not see that on the left in the same right. way. Yeah. So anyway, I'm like, thinking right, about... Biden, Biden, like, struggled in his own primaries, even after, even after he had won enough states to basically lock it in the bag. You had Democrats criticizing him, criticizing him as a nominee, criticizing his past policies, criticizing what they thought he might do in the future. Um, and then meanwhile, you know, Trump's got a, a 96% approval rating yeah. uh, and people buy flags with his name on it even after he lost. They yeah. donate money to his re-election <laughs> campaign after he lost. Like, it's, it's crazy. It's like, right. it's, it's very asymmetric. So anyway, I have some, like, strategy ideas for Democrats. And I think going back in terms of, like, the infrastructure and spending stuff, Democrats should all get on the talking points of saying that Republicans don't love America, right? Because that's what Republicans always say about Democrats. So Democrats should flip that and say that, like, you know, Republicans want America to lose out to China, which is investing in all these things and lifting a historic number of people from the middle class and the, like, impoverished rural communities all around China and lifting them up into the middle class. And so it's like, you know, in terms of infrastructure spending, future green technology, the obviously the obvious coming uh, green tech boom in the economy, social programs for the middle class, like goodwill abroad, like uh, just flip it around and say like China, uh, China loves the GOP and GOP loves China because uh, Republicans do not want America to be competitive long term against China. What do you think about that? Do you think that's a pretty good talking point that you could that that would stick with people? <laughs> well, now that you got me thinking about this idea, I think Democrats should just straight up steal the red flag with MAGA, make America great again. It's, you know, in the, in the same way what Democrats wanted is to make America great again. I think Democrats should just straight up steal it. Have all Americans unified wearing the same stupid red hats, make America great again. Just like commandeer it, <laughs> make yeah. it about Biden. Yeah. Yeah. And, and here's another thing. It's like the same thing with uh, with COVID. You know, Democrats should just flip the switch on Republicans, you know, especially because it's like a free market thing. You get How would all they flip of these the switch? Uh, huh? Like, uh, oh, like you're talking this, about comparing it to the like baking ski. a cake for gay people? Um, 
yeah, Say I guess that, in a oh, way, we're yeah. Free market. Yeah, yeah, the they should market. call Republicans communists for not wanting free businesses to be able to say what goes on <laughs> yeah, in right. their own business. So we're free market. Businesses should decide you can't come in if you don't have a mask on or a proof that you've been vaccinated, right? That's the free market. I think thing. AOC, yeah, I think AOC should actually do that debate with Marjorie Taylor Greene and just point out how much of a communist uh, <laughs> Mar- Marjorie Taylor Greene <laughs> right. is being. Because if you want the degree, you want the government to be able to tell private corporations what to do. Uh, you might as well be a communist, right? Right. <laughs> it's almost like a because, <laughs> like Marjorie Taylor Greene, like the especially that that side of the alt right or the far right talking about what they want the government to tell Twitter and Facebook to do uh, is definitely not a pro free market type of thing. Oh yeah, for sure. Um, and then here's some more. Well, first off, I love too that the fact that they don't even understand the First Amendment. The whole issue is stupid when they say, "Oh, this is a First Amendment. We're having our rights taken away." No, 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 no. Twitter is not the government, right? Like the right. whole lawsuit Trump had against Twitter, saying that they they need to undo the ban and pay damages or whatever for him, uh, is stupid because I mean it basically presupposes that somehow the organization or the you know corporation known as twitter is somehow acting as the government which is stupid because it's a private corporation with stockholders not owned by the government but that somehow that private organization is simultaneously the government but also taking away trump's rights which is really weird because trump was the president so how could the president have his own rights taken away by the government i.e a private (laughs) corporation that makes no sense whatsoever yeah. Um, and then in terms of more strategies, I was thinking a lot about the Texas Democrats who have left the state or are now kind of like protesting in D.C. and just kind of blocking the quorum for Texas uh, Republicans to be able to like pass some of these real terrible voting rights laws. Um, and so I found this really frustrating because with the like, you know, the media is doing these interviews with this Texas Democrats. And it's kind of annoying because like every question, you know, puts them on the defensive. And so I think Democrats should like not justify, defend or explain their actions protesting, uh, you know, the Texas legislature like they typically do and just do what Republicans do flip everything right republicans were so good about this every time they got asked about anything trump did they just immediately flip it into what about democrats what are democrats doing well i thought democrats were the ones breaking the law or being corrupt blah 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 and so democrats should totally do that and uh the perfect example is with the texas democrats like every question pivot to republicans and call them electoral cowards uh, who are targeting black voters like racists, you know, uh, and are an existential threat to American democracy. Don't like, don't you think that's a, a smart thing for Democrats to do? Just, you know, do the shameless flipping of any question and any accusation and just flip it into what Republicans are doing? Because yeah. so because so often Democrats get bogged down in the complexity and the nuance. And then they just look like idiots because Republicans just have the short and sweet Democrats hate America and are taking away our freedoms. Whereas Democrats will give you like, you know, a verbal essay you know, examining the issue from every shade and every angle. And it's just like you're losing the argument by explaining it and saying that, like, oh, yeah, the Republicans are technically right, but, like, they're wrong on so many other levels. Like, it's it's very frustrating to watch. 
And I think that's something the Democrats can do, like, on any number of things. Like, the GOP. Well, no, I, I don't think that's a solution. I think a better solution would be the media actually taking their job a little more seriously. No, but that's, but and, the, how, that's not a solution because the media is not going to do that. The media does three-minute interviews in between commercial breaks, and they just want sound bites. So why? Yeah. No, Democrats should not, you know, oh, well, we should have all of our answers with the expectation that the media is going to be mature and responsible in reporting this, right? Well, because, I mean, I'm saying a hypothetical best case scenario. Yeah, like, I don't think. But I'm just saying that's impossible. And that's, all the time. Yeah, but yeah. that's not good strategy for right now. Like assuming that the, uh, the media ecosystem is going to dramatically change overnight. Um, but I think in terms of like uh, the strategy, like Democrats should do the same thing with the big lie, right? Anytime, don't 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 mention about like oh the support Republicans are doing this, Republicans are doing that. Give it the same existential uh, like gravitas that Republicans do to every issue. You know, like you know, giving pre-K Republicans act like it's the existential end of freedom, and now we're a communist state, right? Democrats can do a little bit, give a little bit of that uh, medicine back to Republicans, and just say. Everything on voting rights and everything on elections and all of this bullshit on like voting rights and you know like voter fraud turn everything into an existential thing, which in this case, unlike Republicans, is actually accurate, right? And say Republicans hate democracy, they're ruining democracy, they're taking away our right to, to vote, right? Like that's such a more forceful answer than this long meandering response about <laughs> But that's how the problem is they always have something to say. Like, the Republicans will just be like, actually, it's a republic. And it's like, people, they just say the stupidest shit. They have a response to everything. And it it always, like, gets, um, what should I say? It, it always, they always have a response that's guaranteed to not have the media call them on it, right? Like, where, <laughs> I mean, think of, like, the fact of calling Democrats communists, right? When... Have you ever seen the media push back on that? I like, know, that that's what's no so frustrating, yeah. The Democrats want to build roads. They want to pay companies to build roads for America, and that's communist. They want to basically provide education for children who are under six years old. And they want to, like, you know, have food stamps and chips for, for, for children in poverty, right, so they don't go hungry. And, and, and suddenly they're anti-democratic communists, right? I don't, that's why, that's why I made my previous comment, is like the media needs to do a better job, right? If a Republican calls a Democrat a communist, why is the media allowing them to go on their, their airtime, their channel, their, you know, you know, market, ironically, because it's, you know, all media is capitalist in America. Like, yeah. why are they allowing them to do that? That's what's frustrating. Uh, I heard this interesting thing saying that, like, the media, you know, they try so hard to be centrist and unbiased. So, the, but it has, like, that's what they plan to do. But it has the effect of letting Republicans just steamroll them. And I notice yeah. this all the time on CNN, where, like, the interviewers, you can kind of tell, they just expect Republicans to lie and bullshit. And that's why there's no pushback. Oh, it's like almost like, oh, they gave the they gave the answer I knew they were going to give. And they're just turning this around and saying something that's not true. Right. So it's like this. It's this weird thing where the media is actually harder on Democrats and pushes back harder to prove that they're unbiased. But then like they to try to suggest that they're unbiased and moderate and, you know, fair on both sides. They like just allow Republicans to just lie about everything. And that's so fucking true. So frustrating. 
But I think that that's why Democrats need to play the media game as well as Republicans do, right? Even things like gun rights, you know, it's like, how about Democrats just start saying Republicans want us to die when we go to the movie theater, right? It's a little dramatic, but I mean, that's that's basically what Republicans are saying. Something better than that. But. Yeah, well, hey, you know, brain milk is just where ideas get started. <laughs> <You know>? <laughs> <laughs> um, and so another good example of this, Hugh Hewitt had a tweet that I saved that I just thought was kind of interesting because he was, you know, Hugh Hewitt's kind of a blowhard, not very, uh, not very nuanced media guy, very frustrating. Uh, I've been saying frustrating a lot. <laughs> we say but, a lot of the same words a lot. Yeah. But anyway, so he had this quote making fun of Democrats, kind of like blasting Democrats because he says Democrats are getting ready to have the four don'ts for 2022 uh, for the midterms. And it's, he basically says Democrats want to say, we don't think the massive federal spending caused the Biden inflation. You know, there's a couple you know, like things, you know, embedded in that and implications that he's kind of making. And then we don't support defending the police. We don't support CRT. We don't support the Cuban regime. And this is what I hate. The Democrats always get themselves bogged into explaining what they don't support and what they don't like and what they're not for, when really they need to flip it and say what they are for and then... Uh, uh, say what Republicans are for, uh, because you're never going to win the argument when Republicans say you're for, C you know, uh, say CRT, I should have explained that, but uh, critical race theory. So when Democrats have to spend five minutes explaining that they're very sympathetic to everything critical race theory posits, but then another five minutes explaining why they're not necessarily for critical race theory, as has been slippery slope, bo bogeymaned, uh, strawmanned by Republicans. Like, that's just not a winning argument, right? The well, that's the problem is everything's a straw man, right? Because right. Republicans are really good about taking the dumbest shit they see on the left and trying to uh, paint with a broad brush the entire Democratic Party with that. And I think Biden, for one, is really good at countering that by saying, I'm the Democrat Party. Chuck Schumer is a Democrat Party. Nancy Pelosi is a Democrat Party. It's like the weird shit you see one far left school district in like the most liberal part of like Seattle. That is not the Democratic Party. But <laughs> yeah. You know that by listening to Fox News. So Biden is really good about pushing back on that. The problem is uh, you have media people allowing Republicans to you know, tar and feather the left with like the most extreme stuff that like, I don't like when I hear some of the stuff Republicans say, I have to go look it up. Like, I have no idea what they're talking about. Yeah. And, some and of it's right like inside jokes almost on Fox News. Like you have to be, yeah. a, you have to be an expert in the Fox News universe to understand like all of the catchphrases that they bring up. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's the and funny it, thing is like there's a thousand, there's probably tens of thousands of school districts in America, right? And they're first off all run by the state, not the National Democratic Party. Yeah. So each individual state is in charge of their own education systems. So then you're going to say, okay, there's this really weird far left Montessori private school that's doing this weird shit and teaching critical race theory to children. Like, okay, first off, that's no state public school <laughs> system. And more importantly, it's not the National Democratic Party who ordering that or mandating yeah or and it's frustrating because it's not actually uh like it's not like public elementary schools there's a couple schools that are like teaching martin luther king jr and like the effects on slavery and stuff but critical race theory as like you know is at the actual like buzzword topic right now is only taught at a like 
a select number of universities, right, by a select, by an even smaller number of professors teaching a very small number of, like, elective classes. There's not, like, a, like a regime, you know, re-education focus on this. In fact, the whole point of critical race theory is that none of these issues and topics that get covered in critical race theory are, uh, you know, taught anywhere or, you know, in any legal uh, or uh, law school program, right? The whole well, point of critical that, race theory is yeah. that there's no black teachers uh, teaching black perspectives on stuff that affect black people, right? That's like the whole point of critical race theory is that none of this exists anywhere. <laughs> well, that's another thing. I, I, and, you know, the same way of finding and, and cherry picking one school doing something weird in one tiny part of the country, it's like the same thing with college courses. Okay, so Harvard has one teacher teaching this one silly class. And I'm not calling critical race theory silly. What I'm saying is that you can always find some teacher teaching some weird class somewhere, right? So in the case, like for example, me, I talked I took some stupid class that was like comedy film class. All we did was watch comedy films and talk about it. And then we'd write like a paragraph about it and get full credit and an A. And it's like, that was a stupid class. And like, was it educational? Not really. But like, yeah, so there was one teacher in the English program teaching this course. And like, yeah, it was cool to take. Yeah, we talked about silly shit and he tweeted shit. He had a TA like tweeting stuff he was saying because he was like a wannabe comedian, right? So, okay, yeah, you're going to paint and tar every single English department at that school or any school or all around the country (laughs) that they're teaching stupid shit. Like, no, it's like one. (laughs) Well, that's a funny thing, too. It's like one professor somewhere had a cool idea that he thought was cool. He got approval to teach it and he taught it. And then someone uploaded on a blog the curriculum is like, oh, this guy hates America. This school hates America. Oh, the entire education system in America. America, hates America. It's like, okay, they're just hard and feathered. The entire national organization of education uh, as like what this one crazy teacher is doing. You see that all the time. Yeah. For example, like you take the, the craziest thing AOC says, but when you actually listen to her in context, she's not that crazy. But like when you take something out of context that one member of Congress said, you always are going to find one idiot in Congress because so many, you know, not to disparage the House of Representatives, but like there are members of the House who did not run against an opponent from the other political party because they're a plus 30 district. You're not going <laughs> to yeah. get the smartest, yeah. right. you know what I mean? So like, yeah. yeah, if you're in a tar and feather, yeah. the entire Democratic Party of the dumbest Democrat in Congress, yeah. well, hey, Republicans, you have Louis Gohmert. And if, if your whole party isn't representative of him, that you don't get to do that to the yeah. Democrats. It's frustrating because, like, uh, defund the police was said by, like, Cory Bush, right? One member of Congress. And now it's, like, the de facto, you know, ethos of the entire Democratic platform, you know? It's, like, so frustrating. And Biden had a good line. You know, you said that Biden and Jen Psaki have been pushing back against this a lot. But some reporter was asking why Democrats want to defund the police. And Biden's like, no, I'm the Democratic Party. Nancy Pelosi's the Democratic Party. Yeah. Are either of us defunding the police are any of us saying that we want to support that no and he had the point of like you know are there people in the republican party who think we're sucking blood out of kids <laughs> like he asked that <laughs> yeah. rhetorically and then walked away you know threw his hands up it's like so true 
that's like, another there is thing. a member of Congress probably who thinks that Democrats do worse <laughs> than suck blood out of kids, right? There's members of there's members of the Republican yeah. Party that say all kinds of crazy batshit insane things. And have terrible well, beliefs, mind, mind you. Like, I think Republicans get a to- total pass from the crazy shit their people say, right? Like, how many Republicans literally believe that Jesus is going to come back any year now and just anything that we do doesn't matter because, you know, all the Christians like them, the good Christians, are going to heaven and everyone else is going to hell. So fuck climate change, fuck clean water. <laughs> None of this matters, right? Republicans get a total pass on some of the crazy shit that their members believe. Well, I mean, you have some some of the leader. That's another example of how this is uh, asymmetric, right? You have the leadership of the Republican Party who believes some silly things, right? That like, you know, you have uh, the House Minority uh, Leader Kevin McCarthy, like literally saying that like, oh, Trump had no he he had no involvement in January sixth, right? <laughs> and he's he's doing top cover, so like like these are not honest people they're not honest about anything so i mean that's another way like it, there's an asymmetry right so you have democrats debating amongst themselves what are the best ways to fight climate change and you know that's an actual political debate to be had then you have republicans saying was trump perfect or was he just close to perfect could trump <laughs> yeah. win against george washington and abraham lincoln or would he just come second you know what i mean like I mean, it's so funny, but that's like literally things that Trump himself is talking about. You have the guy who was a previous president of the Republican Party debating historical matchups of whether or not he's the greatest president of all, despite the fact he's been impeached more than any other president. And a, a group of historians ranked him like near the bottom five in all time. Right. So like, you know, hold on. And, and then <laughs> real quick, though, I mean. Did one thought about this. I'm just saying this about Trump. Hasn't Trump, I'm trying to think if there's another guy who's lost more popular votes than Trump. Like, is there another president who's lost more popular votes? Because Trump lost both. Well, uh, William Bryan's, what is it? William Jennings Bryan lost four elections. So presumably. Oh, no, yeah, I guess that's, that's true. Okay, but that's if worse, you're comparing but... presidents, though, has any president yeah. lost more popular votes than Trump? <laughs> right. Certainly in terms of like like just the pure number of votes. Right. Because Trump lost like by eight million votes. I mean, that's a pretty historic gulf in terms of the popular vote. Right. Yeah. I mean, there's presidents um, that win by more percentages. Right. But back when like well, you know, the a, number of a, votes is actually tough, lower. Uh, that's a be, tough theoretical yeah. to go through, because if you look back 100 years ago, you know, how many millions of people even voted? So the fact that one one party won by eight million votes, if you go back far enough, that was like the entire population of the country. Yeah, right. Yeah. So <laughs> but I enough. mean, if that's like Republicans, they always said during Trump, we have the greatest economy in American history, and it's like, well, Biden won the biggest election in American history by that metric, right? Because yeah. the population and the economy continually grow over time. How come Republicans aren't praising Biden for having the biggest economy in American history? Also, it's so dumb because they say it's we've talked about this before, but how you measure economic success, right? Like the amount of people we have at or under the poverty line right now kind of belies the fact that we have the strongest economy ever just (laughs) because like the top 500 fortune companies or whatever are doing really well on these theoretical stock profits based on like runaway, you know, uh, bubbles of just economic value based on this like new form of currency based on like, you know, digital, uh, you know, going down that rabbit hole. But it's like how you measure the economy is a little fucked up when you're like only using one metric of like rich people getting even richer. 
that's like it's hard to make the case that the economy is better for everybody than like you know certainly talking about like when uh, we sent all of the GIs who wanted to go to college to college and gave them houses after after World War well, II you know all the white GIs right I think they're yeah right that's the funny thing about critical race theory is like okay they might not be 100% about everything and some of their takeaways might be a little extreme but like they have in like almost every case like a, a pretty solid <laughs> actual historically accurate basis and uh yeah so that's a huge problem that uh <laughs> you know probably could be addressed in some fashion today or at least have people uh adequately uh admit it happened right because they'll say oh the greatest generation well they didn't like black people going to college so how great were yeah. they right and it's, um, and I it's think stupid because <laughs> Republicans are just so pedantic and they're really like trolls, right? Like the 1619 Project came out just saying, you know, like how America, like, you know, like was founded with so much like racism and slavery and all this stuff. And then just to troll them, you know, Trump signs the uh, the executive order to make the, the 1776 Project to basically say we're like perfect and the greatest country that ever lived and had no problems and any problems we have are totally overshadowed by how amazing everything has always been for us it's like like you're really just scrolling now <laughs> well what wasn't it like kaylee mac enemy or mac enemy whatever her name is uh basically uh didn't she say something that like the founding fathers were great because they knew slavery was bad <laughs> it's like <laughs> yeah. i don't know about that <laughs> yeah and, and that's so that's so that's what's so frustrating about the critical race theory and all these fights over like public education indoctrination is that our education is not good people do not actually read the books and people like our teachers are really not that effective and it's like the idea of like if we really were indoctrinating students with like communist manifesto and we're like teaching all of these kids and turning them into mindless socialist robots like have you been to school do you know how how hard it is for teachers to get their students to do any homework or to study at all or know it's like to read the assigned reading like it's so dumb to think that like like you know our education system is turning us into like like i said mindless communist robots when like really i mean we don't pay enough for our teachers to really adequately you know teach well we don't have resources for schools or universities enough you know to get by without basically just turning them into capitalistic money-making machines right like it's it's so misleading well, that's a bit of a rabbit hole, but, um, yeah, <laughs> but, yeah I, I think the idea that like, I like look, well, <laughs> I don't even know where to begin. Right. Like when, when I remember being in school and people like just like not even doing homework. So like if the homework was a communist assignment uh, and you have tons of students not doing those communist assignments, are you really brainwashing every student in the class? <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> Uh -huh. If you have students who get a 10% on the test, uh, were they unsuccessfully brainwashed? Are they freedom fighters at that point? Like, <laughs> yeah, I have a lot of questions about that. But yeah, even at the uh, college level, like my undergraduate, there were people, I thought classes were easy and people getting C's or D's. And it's like, how on earth did you do that? Or people who just don't do any of the work whatsoever, like you said, like that was a pretty common thing I noticed in my uh, undergraduate courses. So um, yeah, for a communist indoctrination program or organization, I think a lot of schools are failing. Yeah. Uh, here's one more issue. The last note I had is about Cuba, right? Because I was actually just in DC uh, uh, in Baltimore. And so, uh, you know, Cuba's going on. Uh, they're having some Cuba protests. 
Yeah, <laughs> they're having protests, <laughs> and so like all of these demonstrators went to the White House to literally claim or literally clamor for uh, America to invade with troops and basically force regime change. And that's so weird because like when has that gone well for America? <laughs> In the last, like, half century, right? Well, I mean, it completely ignores our relationship with uh, Vietnam currently, right? Vietnam is still a nominally communist country. We trade with them. We uh, are trying to create closer uh, military ties with them. They are apparently even trying to see if we'll have ships come more often or even, you know, visit their Navy bases more often. Um, So, I mean, the idea that we can't coexist with a communist country is stupid. Um, More importantly... Uh, it's just a tiny island, right? So I don't think Cuba poses any risk to us like they did in 1962. Um, so I think the whole Cuba policy is kind of silly. I think anything that hurts the people at this point is stupid. Even if it helps the government stay in power a little bit, I don't think the benefits outweigh the uh, the negatives, right? So Cuba is a pretty poor country. They have pretty big inequality from what I understand, despite being a communist country. Uh, people are hungry. They don't always have medicine. Um, I don't see how tr- anything we do that hurts the people even more is actually advantageous to us and politically, morally, ideologically, whatever. You know, what do you think about that? Yeah, I mean, when Obama kind of lessened the uh, uh, restrictions on like the Cuban economy, like a lot of Cubans started making money from, you know, Americans want to go to Cuba. They want to travel there and then spend tourist money. Right. And then they say Airbnbs hosted by Cubans in their homes. They make a lot of money. The restaurants, you know, be like American tourists have to eat. They want all these souvenirs and things like this. So that was actually like a real tangible thing, making Cubans lives better in a way that wasn't really sticking it to the government or screwing with the government in any way and it just makes people earn dollars and then have money to make their lives better and that kind of makes uh, americans look better and it makes cubans you know more supportive of the american government and uh you know like our kind of capitalistic society uh and well it's not even that i don't even think it needs to be a communist capitalist thing we trade with china we trade with vietnam like what a joke right this the whole idea that cuba is anything other than just a country next to us uh, at this point, like, who cares if we trade with Cuba? We should just normalize relations, trade with Cuba. Like, why do we need to, at, in 2021, why do we need to try to thwart their government? Like, it's like a, a cartoon of the 1960s, you know? Like, the well, Cold War's I mean, long over. I guess, theoretically, it's that the government is still pretty corrupt and oppresses the people and is kind of autocratic, right? Well, I mean, I, I get that point. But, like, I mean, so maybe we don't have, like, you know, complete... Maybe we still have controls on foreign direct uh, investment or FTI, right? Maybe we shouldn't have tons of businesses helping them make money and stuff. But, like, why why can't we let Cubans in Miami send remittances that just go to the people? Why can't we ensure that we don't put embargoes on medicine or something? Like, we don't need to, like, make um, an already unequal and, you know, messed up, you know, oppressed society even worse than it already is. And, and we wouldn't be doing anything that would tangibly benefit the government in any way, right? Yeah. I mean, Obama's whole standpoint was like we we spent 60 years, you know, doing the embargo and having like absolutely no relations. And what did it get us? Right. 
Cuba still hated us. The government blamed us for everything. And at least at that point, right, the government kind of had a point when they blame us for having an embargo and stopping kind of like Western countries from doing business and trade with Cuba. Like they kind of have a point that we're fucking their lifestyle and their economy, right? Well, it's but, not just us though, because Cuba can trade with other countries. Like they're, it's not the embargo of 1962, right? Like um, other countries... Uh, around the hemisphere and uh, abroad can trade with Cuba. I mean, it's the government's own fault, especially in 2021, that, you know, their society is so poor and impoverished. <coughs> yeah, right. Yeah, that's true. Uh, but we'll see what But then Biden again, that's does. like the ironic thing. If you're going to compare, or if you're going to, like, uh, get all up in arms about the um, political oppression of Cuban people and uh, public society over there or civil uh, society over there. Like, we currently have good relationship with Egypt, uh, China. Uh, well, I shouldn't say good relationship with China, but we have full, you know, diplomatic uh, relations. We trade with them. Uh, same thing with Vietnam. I don't know enough about Vietnam's government to, you know, say whether or not they oppress their people or not, but, like, we clearly buy all our furniture from them. Um, uh, tons of other products come from uh, other countries around the world that probably are doing the same thing the Cuban government is. So um, all I see kind of, I don't know, I've, you know, all I kind of see is just our actions are just making life for everyday Cubans worse. Right. Yep. For, for no reason comparatively. Um, I, like, does the Cuban government do anything differently than what the Egyptian government mm-hmm. is doing? Or, um, you know, pick a country and I'll agree with you. Right. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, yeah. you got any other points? That's the, uh, the last thing I wanted to say or bring up. Um, I have some points for a topic, but we should probably save that for another time. That'll be a long one. Okay. Um, yeah, I think that's uh, <laughs> that's good for uh, hopefully our eight listeners enjoy this podcast. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right, everybody. Thanks for listening to Brain Milk Podcast. Check out my uh, Substack, like I mentioned earlier. It's called the Halfway Cafe on Substack. I'm doing uh, kind of weekly newsletters that I'm writing. I'm trying to make it a goal to have something uh, every weekend, Saturday or Sunday that I will uh, submit. Uh, You can sign up and just make sure that uh, in the emails that you kind of add uh, the Halfway Cafe as a uh, um, like a friend or profile like in your Gmail, especially just because uh, the the newsletters Gmail has a really good filter and tends to send them to like the promotions tab or things like that. So uh, if you want uh, all my newsletters uninhibited by any, uh, you know, filtering from your email service, just add me as a contact or friend or whatever. But check that out. I'm really liking that. Uh, I missed last week because I was in D.C. and Baltimore doing a job. So I was a little busy, but uh, I'm writing one for uh, next week already. Uh, you got any other uh, notes that you want to add? Any self-promotion? No, not right now. All right. All right. Well, thanks Just for listening. share the podcast with all your friends. And yeah, family. share the podcast. Right, yeah. <laughs> uh, and then follow the Halfway Post on Twitter. I try to keep people laughing and make up a lot of, uh, <laughs> I improve the facts of uh, reality, and I try to make people laugh. But thanks for listening, everybody. This is Brain Milk. I'm Dash McIntyre. I'm Adrian Pope. And enjoy the guitar solo. Mm-hmm.